When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Really ambitious, energetic, smart people can do whatever they want in this profession and can attain any sort of level that they'll work their way toward. Alex Golish is the new head coach at South Florida. In 2022, he was the offensive coordinator of the University of Tennessee, leading the offense to a number one ranking in total offense with 531 yards per game and scoring offense with 47.3 yards per game. He's taken his career from student assistant at Ohio State all the way to becoming an FBS head coach. And when you listen to this episode, which was recorded six years ago, you hear the philosophy, hard work, and dedication he has put behind developing himself and the players and teams he has been involved with. And that's led to this opportunity. If you're looking for a blueprint in how to rise in the coaching profession, the insight given by Coach Golish in this interview is invaluable. Enjoy this one. But first, we're going to start with Coach Golis's first meeting with the team as he took the position of head coach at South Florida. When you listen to the interview that follows, you're going to hear a lot of the philosophy, a lot of those things that come through as he's speaking with his team are things that he's believed in and done for a long time. Let's take a listen. It is so humbling to come to a program like this that is right on the cusp, man, of, of doing incredible things in college football. For me, my journey is similar to a lot of you. I've looked at every single guy sitting in this room. I recruited some of you guys. My journey ain't a whole lot different than a lot of you guys. I'm the son of immigrants. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York without any, without a whole lot of anything. And all I wanted to do was play ball and be like one of you guys sitting in the chair. I've had some incredible mentors, people that got me into this profession. I'm a teacher by trade, special ed teacher by trade. Thought I was gonna coach and teach high school ball. I think what's gotten me to this point is the fact that I care about young people. In this, in this whole day and age of college football, and you guys know it's crazy right now, it still comes down to helping you guys become the best versions of yourself every single day, loving you guys like crazy, 
trusting you guys to go get it and giving you every single tool known to man to go be successful. In terms of how it's going to roll, it's going to be a partnership. It's going to be a really, really positive environment, but it's going to be a demanding one. We got to climb the ladder, man. We got to climb the ladder of college football. We got to climb the ladder of American conference football. And at the end of the day, we got to be as good as we can be as fast as we can get there. There won't be shortcuts. There aren't shortcuts in life. And I just told you my journey ain't had no shortcuts. But what I'm going to promise you is this. I'm going to work harder than anybody in the country. We're going to surround you with a, a group of men and women. They're going to work harder than anybody in the country to give you every single imaginable tool to be successful. I will serve you. I'll give you everything I got. Here's the episode from 2016. Enjoy. Coach Golish, welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Show. I appreciate you having me. Coach, let's go back to the beginning for you. What made you want to be a football coach? Probably some some of the really good ones that I that I was around really started with with my high school offensive coordinator. I knew I'd wanted to teach. I knew I'd wanted to be around young people. And uh, I think the further and further I went, the more and more I realized, really, I, I love the coach. I love the game whether it's teaching at the high school level and coaching or if I had the opportunity to, to coach at the college level, I knew I wanted to be around young people. I knew I wanted to be around the game. And then as, as I went, I really fell in love with recruiting and getting out and meeting young people. And it really kind of cultivated into where, where I guess I am today. And I know recruiting's definitely become a, a big part of what you do and kind of your expertise. We'll get into that in a little bit, but where did you get your start coaching? My first job was at Westerville Central High School the very first year it was open. I had been hired there by my high school offensive coordinator, Jeff Jones, who at the time was the head football coach at Westerville Central, and he has since gone on. He's actually now a principal in, in Beaver Creek, Ohio. But he had hired me, and from there I had the opportunity to work at Ohio State as a student coach and moved on from there as a graduate assistant at several places before I got my first opportunity as a full-time coach. And where was your first opportunity as a full-time? The University of Toledo. After I'd gotten done at Ohio State, I went to Northern Illinois as a graduate assistant, then went to Oklahoma State as a graduate assistant, quality control coach on defense, and then had the opportunity to go to the University of Toledo and moved over to the offensive side of the football there and have stayed there ever since. So as a, as a very young coach, you were exposed to some great programs. What were the things you learned in those early years as a coach? As you, you're a graduate assistant, I think you learn how to work and expectations. I, I think, and everybody that's gone through it, you learn as a, as a GA where you're not making any money and working crazy hours, man, do I really love it? Do I really want to be a part of it? Is this really for me? And I think every, every single one of us that goes into it, and stays in it the answer to all those questions is yeah I love it yeah I want to stay in it you know and I want to work my way through this and I think you learn really how to work how to be meticulous you learn attention to detail through those years and then as you get a chance to move up and get your own position group as a full-time coach I think as the responsibility increases in terms of having your own players in terms of recruiting I think you kind of learn on the run and I think you continue to, to fall back to I can still outwork people. I can still out-hustle people in terms of work ethic. You just move into different responsibility roles. And, and 
you know, I think as long as you're around people that, that keep you honest and keep you accountable, I think that you never lose that. How did you grow and develop into your role as, as a recruiting coordinator? When we first got to Toledo, I've always kind of had a passion for recruiting. Even as a, as a graduate assistant, I've always had a passion to meet people and talk to young people and, and families and, you know, even going back to Northern Illinois and really probably even Ohio State, every time we had somebody on campus, I was always gravitating towards, man, can I give them this tour? Can I take them around here? Can I come to dinner so I can spend time with them and, and really learn how how and why? And and uh, I've always really had a passion for it. And at Oklahoma State, spent a lot of time with our off-the-field recruiting guys because I was so interested in that side of it and probably built a foundation there. And then as I moved on to Toledo, it was kind of like, <laughs> who, who's the young guy that could get this thing organized and be thorough in, in the background of all of it? You know, because a lot of it is organization. A lot of it is being thorough and making sure that the board is how you want it and the mailers are how you want it. With the, the public image of what you want out is exactly the, the vision of the head football coach. And so, and I've always had a kind of a passion for it and, and moving on from there to the University of Illinois. I kind of knew that would be my role as I went because I am good at it and I have a passion for it. And it takes a unique trait in terms of not as a football coach, but on the recruiting side of being thorough, being, you know, having some leadership ability in terms of organizing a staff. And, and as we've gotten to the power five level where we have staffs like crazy, you know, in terms of off the field, it's right. managing those, organizing those and keeping, honestly, at the end of the day, I feel like my biggest job is to make the coaches jobs easier and, to make sure everybody is compliant with the NCAA rules and the communication is great from head coach to coordinator to players. Who's had the biggest impact on, you know, you've, you've obviously grown into this role and as you, as you develop in that role, you develop a philosophy. So who's had the greatest impact on your philosophy as a recruiter? You know, I think honestly it's, you know, I, I learned how to work and be thorough from Joe Novak at Northern Illinois, he was the head football coach there. And, you know, at that time you had a recruiting coordinator and then you had nobody off the field helping. It was, it was all, it was the nine assistants and the head coach. And I learned how to work and, and be thorough and, and honestly learned how to be accountable for who you recruit. So I learned that there. I learned the organizational side of things in terms of evaluations and keeping everybody on the same page from the staff at Oklahoma state. And then honestly, I kind of, I've got some some marketing background from from college, and I try to think I, I I think outside the box in a lot of different ways on the recruiting side, and so I think I kind of went and learned as I went at the University of Toledo, and and then as I've moved on, you know, as we've had staffs so that you can kind of divvy things up, and you know, I think I learned when you don't have a bunch of help, you you can kind of be just good at everything. When you got a bunch of help, I think you can be great at everything. And, and I think I've just learned as I've went and taken ideas and, and traveled around a lot to a lot of different staffs. And, you know, I'm, I'm the one guy, I think maybe when we go to the convention, that I sit down and ask people how they do things in the recruiting side more so than, than probably even football, just because that I'm always looking for the edge. I'm always looking for that one idea that can make us different beyond our staff and facilities and stadium and fan support and all those things that everybody has. Try to find a way to be different, and and that's what I'm. I'm always, I think, learning and and try to pick people's brains. What would you say are your keys to your philosophy of of great recruiting? I think the number one thing is, and and I think this carries across all levels of college football. I think 
you can never forget that you can still out-recruit people. Um, you can outwork people. So much in our profession, people look for, you know, what's the easy way or, or what's our recruiting department doing. And, and I think the, all those things are really, really important. You know, the backbone of what you portray out there publicly is probably your recruiting department at this point. I think there's something about still never forgetting that, hey, every morning when I come in, you know, we, we've got to make sure we reach out to our guys so they know that we're thinking about them and follow up with parents and, and really going the extra step with the high school coach and the, and the parents or whoever else maybe is touching the young man that you're recruiting and, and helping him make a decision. I think at the end of the day, you can still outwork people. We do have, uh, obviously, college coaches who listen to this podcast, but we had a good number of high school coaches who do as well. How how would some of this translate to their level? Obviously, today, we compete within our own high schools, not just in sports, but for all kinds of attention to these students. What would you say are keys to making sure, as a high school coach, that you're, you're recruiting your guys and, and that they're buying into your program? I think it all comes down to relationships, and and it's probably the same. Not probably, it is the same at every level of this game. And and to be honest with you, probably at every level of of sales or really the the real world or the business world, I think it comes down to relationships. And and to be honest with you, I I learned that side of it from from Matt Campbell, my head coach here, and and I worked with him when he was the offensive coordinator at Toledo. It, It still comes down to relationships. It comes down to young people. I think we sometimes don't give them enough credit. Young people are really smart, whether it's book smart or, or, you know, or not, young people are smart. They can see through, through a phony. They could see through a fake guy that's just trying to get something out of them. I think when you genuinely establish relationships, whether you're a high school coach, a middle school coach, a grade school coach, establish relationships with the young men that you're around and genuinely not only care about them in their best interest, but make sure they, they understand that you love them as much as you want them to be loved. And, you know, the old quote of they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, I think still holds true. Jim Tressel used to preach it, you know, that these young people are smarter than, than, than I think a lot of time we give them credit for. They can see right through everything. And, and I think it's, it's our job as really as educators and as mentors to young people that, one, we get to know and we build a relationship because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Whether you're coaching them, recruiting them, I think that relationship has to be real because, like I said, young people will see right through it. And, you know, at our level, it's, you know, when they get here, they have to also understand that you still care about them. You still love them, whether they're your position group or not. And, you know, we always talk about your best recruiters are, are your current team. And it's the same thing, I think, at the high school level. If, if the young people on your in your program enjoy being in your program and are treated fairly and, and treated the right way, then other young people in the, pro, in whether, you know, whether you're in the high school or young people that you're recruiting at this level are going to want to be a part of it, you know, and, and I think until you get that success won't come. And I think it's the same at the high school level. So no matter what the level, how important is recruiting and getting the right people into your organization to building that culture that's going to foster success? So many people talk about, you know, it's all about the culture we build in. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to be around you guys at, at Toledo and see, you know, the energy, the enthusiasm, the culture you've built within your program, and obviously you've, you've taken that to Iowa State, but how important is the recruiting piece to building that culture? 
Well, I think it's critical. And like I said, it comes down to the young people in your program believing in, in what you're doing. I think when you say culture, that's what you're you're talking about. And that's what we talk about is our culture has to be positive. Our culture has to have crazy enthusiasm. And it can't be fake. You know, it, it can't be fake juice. It's got to be real juice. And I think it starts with the leadership of your program where at this level, it's it's our coaching staff and our support staff and, and everybody that Coach Campbell's brought in to surround these young people. And it's the same at the high school level. You know, the, the people you hire to be around these young people are your culture setters and, and you're essentially create the heartbeat for the program. But I think when when you say recruiting and you're trying to essentially convince young people to be a part of what you're doing, the key is to bring in the right people and and not just people and bodies and you know it is is to not bring in a culture killer and and I think recruiting at this level is the backbone of what we do and I, like you said at the high school level it's you can't win without players and at the end of the day when you bring them into a good culture then they'll kind of succumb to the good culture and. And so I think it's critical, absolutely critical. Well, Coach, you do more than just recruit. You are an on-field coach with the tight ends. How important is that p- position becoming to the game? I guess we've seen it, the pendulum swing to the point of where there were spread offenses and there were no tight ends being used back to now, really the tight ends becoming a focal point of, of some offenses. How important is that position on into your offense? Even with us, you know, it kind of helps because our head football coach was a tight end. (laughs) He's got a passion for that position. You know, it's become so important, especially in this league where you're still seeing teams half and half probably that do use a tight end and teams that don't. For us, I think it gives us the ability to be very, very multiple. And we've tried to recruit to the system, tried to build it to similar to what it was at Toledo, where if you can have guys in that position that, can do a multitude of different things, can play on the ball, can play off the ball, can flex out. You know, you're trying to create edges at times, trying to create mismatches at times, depending on if it's the run game or the pass game. But I think it's become a really critical position where they're involved in the run game, the pass game, you know, pass protection game. And and you try to recruit young people that are really, really multiple and can do a million different things. You know, I, I think the more you watch really good offenses, it's, it's become a big position, a, a, a focal. I don't know necessarily a focal point. I think it still starts with your your quarterback and your Obviously, offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> but but it it does give you multi dimension into your offense where you can do different things because you can move those guys around and you can formationally mismatch people and in the run game and in the pass game and and helps you create matchup issues and so I think it's a imp- really important position especially in our offense in in all those different aspects in the spread era how hard is it to find that guy who actually has that experience of doing all those things versus maybe finding a guy with certain skill sets and bringing him in to teach him to become a tight end what, what way do you usually have to go in recruiting you know I I think like you said, it, it, it's really you very rarely will find a true tight end in an offense that that you say, man, this guy, his skill set correlates over to what what we want to do. You'd be surprised though. More and more teams, I think, just like at our level, are going back to using tight ends. I think more and more teams are using tight ends at the high school level. To be honest with you, you, you try to have a variety in your room. Like for us, you know, you, you try to look for traits in terms of length and size and catch radius, and and then obviously ball skills. 
and then you try to have some guys that are just physical physical guys that can give you some different things in the run game that you don't have. I think what you end up looking for is really good football players that have some length, that have toughness, that are smart people because they, they've got to be smart to be able to learn essentially the entire offense. They can't just know one thing or the other. They've got to know everything because if you want to be used and you want to not be taken off the field, you've got to be able to fit where you, where you can. So, you know, I think, I think it's a little bit of both to answer your question. I think you, you try to find the size that you're looking for. And then from there, look at the mentality of the, of the player, you know, uh, like right now we, we want, we've got some serious length at that position that we've recruited. Now we're looking for a guy that that's got incredible ball skills. That's really, really tough and size probably isn't as important. And so you end up watching everything from high school quarterbacks to running backs to, you know, guys that potentially are playing receiver and trying to fit them into a skill set. But some of the best, some of the best tight ends I've been lucky to coach have come from, from every position. They've been former wideouts, have been former quarterbacks, have been former running backs, because you would think the guys you want at this level, they're guys that a high school coach wants to get the ball in their hands every snap. And, and so that's why you end up potentially recruiting a quarterback or a tailback or a receiver. Or honestly, sometimes you're watching defensive film to see what a kid's mentality really is at the end of the day. And what's some of the best things you do to force the defense to defend that guy and make him a playmaker? You know, for us, I think we, we try to find creative ways to, in the run game, to, to give ourselves an extra hat. So whether that's moving them, shifting them, motioning them, putting him in a position where you know you're going to get the matchup you want in the run game. In the pass game, if you have a guy or you can recruit a guy, you've seen Toledo do it over the last couple of years with Mike Roberts. And when we were there, we, we had Danny Noble, who you, you're able to move him in the pass game to create a matchup that the defense doesn't want, whether it's a linebacker or safety where you feel like you have a size or a, or a speed advantage. I think those guys are the easiest guys in an offense to try to create a mismatch with because the ability to move them around and, and put them in the backfield or put them out wide where you can get them on a corner or get them on a linebacker. And, and in our league, you, you see so much man coverage that, that you can essentially find a way to do it without having to you know, come up with crazy new formations. You can essentially find a way to find their worst guy and put him on their worst guy as, in, in, as fast as you can to, to allow the quarterback to see it and, and obviously execute. What's your favorite concept to do that? We do a, a lot of mesh-type concepts, run a lot of mesh-type deals where you can create rubs, whether the tight end is set in the rub or the tight end is the one coming open from the rub. That's probably my favorite because you, you've got the ability to get somebody open and, and the ability to get some yards after contact. And probably my second would be just running a basic, you know, on a on a third and short, third and medium type situation, running a basic stick route and, and winning one-on-one there and knowing that you're going to get matched up on a, t- on a linebacker and being able to just win on, on a quick three-step concept. Obviously, teaching is a big part of it. So when you, especially like you, you have a group coming in and maybe they haven't played that position before, they've done it differently. What are some of the best things that the coaching staff at Iowa State does to teach their players to have the understanding they need to be successful in the offensive system? Yeah, you know, I think we do a really, really good job teaching very spatially. I think young people now are really really, really visual learners. We do a really good job of teaching off of film or teaching off of 
a diagram and then going out and walking through it and giving different looks and really talking and walking through it more so than just giving somebody a piece of paper and a playbook and making them learn it. We do a really good job of showing it, then going out and walking through it before we would ever ask them to perform it in a live situation. You know, I think it still all starts with fundamentals and and teaching the basics of stance, start, hand placement, hat placement, in the past game, break points and top of the routes and set, you know, stemming routes. I think we do a really good job of taking our time and really teaching the fundamentals of what we want to do. And then as it fits into concepts, whether it's run game or pass game, really teaching everything spatially. And, and with the tight end position, you know, truly teaching it conceptually rather than on this play, you've got this. And on this play, you've got this really teach it outside in, what every position on the field is doing so that you see it as a big picture. I think we teach the tight ends similar to how we teach the quarterbacks in terms of scheme, you know, where it's not just if you're here, you do this. If you're here, you do this. You really have to understand what everybody's doing. And I think it goes back to recruiting smart people to play that position because if you're not, you're going to struggle to be able to to learn and move as fast as we want to learn and move. You know, and then going on the field and teaching the fundamentals, teaching the, like I said, stance, start, hat placement, hand placement, finish, before you would ever put it all together, go up against the defense, and not only do it effectively, but do it really, really fast. You know, because we are no huddle, we are a tempo offense to where I think unless you, you're truly setting your fundamentals and I think unless you totally understand the entire play or package or offense, you're going to struggle to do it really, really fast. And, and I think that's what with offenses these days, especially high-tempo offenses, you have to spend so much time teaching and repping and doing it on air and walking through it before you can ever ask the young man to to do it full speed against a defense, let alone against another team. So I guess to summarize it, it goes down to to teaching it really slow, not just showing it, but actually doing it and repping it in a walkthrough in a in a on air setting once the fundamentals are taught and reiterated and reiterated and reiterated over and over again to put it all together. So as a tight end coach, you got to escort those guys all over the field. They're going to be involved in the pass game. They're going to be involved in the run game and so all kinds of different groups. Uh, but you have that time when you work on your own. What's your best everyday drills for teaching these guys the, the skills they need to be successful at the tight end position? The biggest thing every day will come together and we will we'll do some sort of stance and start, whether it's a three-point, two-point, flex-style position. We'll work some sort of stance and start just to work the muscle memory. From there, we'll go to an area focused, and it depends what time of year it is, whether it's spring or, or fall camp or during the season, but try to drill whatever the point of emphasis for the day is, you know, whether it's it's a certain play we're putting in or a certain scheme we're putting in to be able to master it, whether it's a down block or a kick out block or a lead block or, you know, and then from there work to work with the quarterbacks and the receivers on whatever route concept that you're going to put in that day in terms of just being able to run the route and catch the ball full speed. And then from there, go back to work in the run game and, and work in a, with the offensive line on, whatever, like I said, the schemes that you're working that day are first on air, second on, we call it run on shields, where it's essentially a high tempo 
run through versus a, a scout look or even just guys standing there with shields so you know how to fit, where to fit, so you can see see not just the old line and where they're going and how they're getting there, but to be able to then show on film where the play is going to hit, what the running back is looking at. And so every day you try to hit a little bit of the run game, a little bit of the pass game, back to a little bit of the run game before we would ever go to a team setting. So I guess one thing we do every single day is a stance and start and then a finish drill of whether it's in the run game or the pass game, just stressing the finish part of everything we're doing. Coach, we're going to shift gears here a little bit and go to a segment we call Lessons in Learning. So just a chance to uh, learn from your experiences and some of the things you've been through, and hopefully uh, our listeners can take away a lesson or two from that. So let's start back at the beginning for you. What's a mistake you made as a young coach, and what did you learn from it? I think probably the biggest mistake that I, that I can think of as a young guy is being really, really hungry on the recruiting side and, and trying to trying to show everybody on the staff and, and probably, you know, my boss, hey, I can recruit, and, and this is how many people I can recruit, and, and really being – being overzealous probably a little bit and, and trying to go too fast and trying to recruit just as many guys as I possibly can without being super thorough. And I think every young guy has that tendency to, to try to prove themselves in that aspect of it. You know, and I think what I've learned as I've gone on, it's not how many players you can sign, it's how many good players you can sign. Because the good players will obviously make a huge difference and the bad players will kill your program. And when I say bad, I'm talking from a skill set wise and more importantly from a character wise. And so I think the biggest biggest thing I've learned since that point is slow yourself down a little bit, be really, really thorough, do your background work and if you only sign one, that's okay as long as he's a really, really good one. That would be probably the biggest thing I've learned. What's the best piece of coaching advice you've received in your career? Probably Jim Trestle really, really early in my career said, don't worry about the next job. Just be the best you can at your job because the, the job you have right now is the most important job in the world. And I've tried to live by that as much as you possibly can to just do an, a really, really good job at your job and don't worry about anything else. You've really made it going from a student assistant coach, coach at the high school level, all the way up to a recruiting coordinator at a Power 5 school. What's the best piece of advice that you could give a, a young coach looking to make it in his profession long term? To be honest with you, probably the same advice I just I, that I just talked about. I, I think if, if you do a really, really good job at your job, you'll get noticed. And, and I don't mean that, that you can't be hungry and go after certain opportunities as they arise. But I think the biggest recommendation you could ever get is from your current boss. And I think if, you, if you're working for somebody that genuinely cares about you, you know, I think they need to understand your goals and dreams. And, and if you're at the high school level and you want to coach at the college level, I think it's important that your boss at that high school knows that that's your goals and ambitions. But those goals and ambitions can't affect your current job. I, I think the, the way that, that it has to affect your current job is that, that you, you're the hardest worker at that job. And, and I think the biggest piece of recommendation you could ever get is that this guy will outwork anybody, out hustle anybody. 
and we'll do whatever it takes to help young people and, and help the program win. To summarize it, the best advice I, I would give is the same advice I got. Be, be the very best at whatever your job is. If you're the video guy, be the very best video guy you can be. If you're coaching the running backs, be the very best running back coach you can be. And, and I think as you excel at that, people will notice and people will see it because at the end of the day, at every level, people want to be around people that work their tails off and and bring a positive energy to what they're doing. And and so that would be the biggest piece of advice I would give. What's a book you've learned from and and one you would recommend to our listeners? You know, I really enjoyed Mike Leach's Swing Your Sword. And not necessarily that I agree with everything Coach Leach says or, or does, but I think what was really interesting in there was the fact that as a really highly educated guy, he basically started from scratch and worked his way up, and he did it his own way. Did it with a lot of passion and energy, but did it his own way and continues to do it his own way. You know, really unconventional offense and really a different train of thought to how to game plan and how to how to think things through. But at the same time, you know, wouldn't let anybody tell him when he was a GA that he couldn't be a head coach and when he was a coordinator that he couldn't be a head coach. And, you know, I I thought it was really, really interesting on his end that he just continued to every off season, tried to get the biggest job he could because he thought he could be a head coach or a coordinator or, and I thought it was really, really interesting. His approach to it was so different than I think a lot of people take that, you know, well, I, I, I didn't play college football, so I can't do this or, or I didn't, you know, I didn't GA at a big time program, so I'll never be a position coach. I think he just kind of went to his own tune and and learned from a lot of really good people and leaned on a lot of really good people to help him. But I think he never set a bar lower than the top. And I think that is really, really indicative of this profession where really ambitious, energetic, smart people can do whatever they want in this profession and can at- attain any sort of level that they'll work their way towards. And I thought it was really, really good. Coach, what have you learned in terms of being on Coach Campbell's staff? He's become known as, as a guy, number one, I think he he was a guy who, when he took over Toledo, kept a lot of that staff that was there. But now also, as he's moved on to Iowa State, has, has brought a lot of those guys with him. He's known for not just building a staff, but keeping a staff together. What things have you learned from that situation? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned from Matt in that sense is that people that are loyal to you, you need to reward and, and keep happy. I guess it's probably the best way to put it. You know, obviously incredible guy to work for, obviously really, really sharp, develops incredible relationships with his players, but I think at the same time develops incredible relationships with his coaches and trusts his coaches to do their job, doesn't micromanage them in any way obviously handles all things that are critically important and handles the, the, the players more than anything, you know, and, and allows the coaches to coach. And I think does an incredible job of trusting us as assistants, helping us as we need help and, you know, giving us his two cents on, on things that are important issues. But at the same time, guys don't want to leave because they're incredibly loyal to him because he treats us the right way. And so, you know, I think it showed when he had the opportunity to, to move up to, to the Big 12 and, and had an opportunity to get a big job like this that he brought basically everybody with him. And, 
and everybody wanted to go, you know, which is, I think, a testament to his leadership and him as a person. But I think that's been a big reason for his success is being able to keep continuity in a staff. And because we, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about what we need or what we expect. I think that's been built in for him over seven years with the same guys and with minimal change. I think it's critical to the success of any program to keep continuity. And I think it's definitely been critical to his success at Toledo and then the early success we've been able to attain here, whether it's recruiting or on the field, I think, in both ends. And obviously, in, in a job like this, especially as you move to a level like yours, finding and learning how to create balance in your life with your family, with your health uh, faith, friends, all those things that are important outside of, of football. What have you been able to do or what have you learned to create that balance? Well, I think Coach Campbell, one, shows you a great example of, of how to be a great father, great husband. You know, he's got four of his own kids. And, you know, I think you walk into any practice in spring or, or camp, you'll see a bunch of our little people running around everywhere. And, and I think that's important to him that you've got some of that in your life. He involves all of our families in in recruiting weekends, knowing that, hey, we have, we, we've been on the road for two weeks. We haven't seen our families. Well, there's no reason why they shouldn't be at dinner so that we could spend some time with them as well. I think the, the big thing Coach Campbell does is in the off season, allows you to get home and, and spend time with your families, you know, allows you to go get a workout in, whether it's before or at lunch and not meeting just to meet and, you know, not necessarily doing something just to say we did it. I think it's so important to him that, that you do have balance in your life. I think that's the only way you can keep sanity in this profession is to be home and, and spend time with your families. And he's done a really good job with that. As you travel the country and, and recruit kids from all over, what major concerns do you have for the future of, of the game right now? And maybe what ideas do you have to address those concerns? Yeah, I think what's really made it difficult for young people right now to be successful is probably the outside pressures or the outside influences. You know, you see more and more third parties involved in the recruiting world. You know, I think basketball has always dealt with that, with the AAU scene and, you know, and, and third party people involved with guys. I think in the football world, we've gotten more and more of that, you know, whether it's recruiting services or seven-on-seven coaches or, you know, and there's certain states where the high school organizations have done a good job of not allowing it in certain states where it's become a reckless, reckless deal, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so I think it's gotten really, really hard for young people to really know who to listen to, which I think at the end of the day has to be your parents and your high school coach, you know, and I think the other aspect that's become really hard for young people is the social media side of things where it's so public who has what offers and who's recruiting who and, you know, what All-American game are they playing in and, and what's rivals got them ranked uh, as opposed to scout or 247. I think there's there's so many outside things that can affect a young person anymore in the recruiting world. It really, in football in general, trainers, outside trainers have done a lot of that, you know, with what, who are you training with, you know, <laughs> and so – you know, I guess the biggest thing that, that I try to do, you know, as I get into recruiting a young person early is once you figure out, okay, they've got a good head on their shoulders, school is important to them. Obviously, football has to be important to them. If that, if we've identified a young man as, as all those things are important, school's important, family's important, football, 
you know, they have a dire love for the, for the game of football. I think the biggest thing we do is we're really honest with, with young people in the, early in the recruiting process. We tell them the truth. Hey, this is a really, really, really hard deal to do. To play football at the Division One level is really hard. We don't ever sugarcoat that part of it. We demand you go to class. We demand you do well in class. We demand that you're early to everything. We, you know, the, the time you spend at football, we demand a lot of you. You know, it's really, really hard. So we're honest with those guys. And so how do we combat all those things? We're really honest with them early and we get a good feel for, are they still interested after we tell them the truth about everything? And if they are, we, we obviously recruit those kids really, really hard. But I think it all comes down to recruiting the right people and making sure that the influences that are affecting them are the parents and the high school coach. And I think once you get outside of that, you're really listening to the wrong people. And we try to portray that to young people and, and their parents early, early on in the recruiting process. Yeah, and I, I want to reiterate this and make it clear and ask you a specific question about it because that's something that our coaches, aside from the concussions, this is like the second most talked about problem or, or concern they have about the future of our game is exactly this, the outside influences. So I want to make this clear and ask you this question. As a guy who's recruit, uh, the recruiting coordinator in a Power 5 school, how much do you deal with a 7-on-7 coach a personal trainer or somebody's personal recruiting service as you go through this process? You know, I think you to initially get a name of a young guy or get a list of some players in a certain area. I think it's okay to lean on those influences. Some, you know, I think the more you know about uh, a recruit, the, the more it's going to help you because to, to some recruits that personal trainer or seven on seven coach may be a big deal to them. But as far as leaning on those guys in the recruiting world, I, I try to stay away from it because I think, I think you, you don't always know that they've got their best interest in mind. I think a lot of the time when you're involving third-party people like that, that there's a lot of their own interests in mind, you know, and, and there's exceptions to the rule. A lot of quarterbacks now are using quarterback coaches outside of their school. I think it still comes down to, the people that have the best feel for that young person are the high school football coach and his parents and potentially a guidance counselor or a particular teacher in the school. I think for us as a staff, we try to not lean on those people virtually at all outside of just identifying the student athlete we're trying to recruit. You know, that, that doesn't mean it's the same across the board or, you know, nationally, Obviously, that is an issue, and obviously there are coaches that will use those people in a, in a negative way, in my opinion. We try to make a big deal about using the high school coach, and I think it starts with your head coach, you know, and, and very rarely will a head coach, will our head coach say, you know, what's his seven-on-seven coach say about him, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and Coach Campbell, as the son of a head high school coach, still believes that the only opinion that matters is the high school coach, and, you know, like I said, maybe the principal or the guidance counselor because they can give you the insight on how well-rounded the young man is. But outside of that, I think you're getting into really muddy water when you're counting on somebody else to give you any sort of opinion or advice or backup on a young man. Coach, we talked a lot today about some important things, building relationships, recruiting, teaching. What would you say is, is the one thing you'd point to as giving your team the winning edge? You know, it goes back to a couple of the things we talked about. I think the, the young people 
in this day and age just want you to be honest and have a relationship with them. They they earn for a relationship with their coaches, whether it's their position coach, coordinator, head coach. And I think the only way to, to get that winning edge or to get the most out of the young people we're around is to make sure that they know we care about them, we love them, we genuinely have their best interests at heart, and to reiterate that every day. And as they come in to work with you and, you know, every single one of these young people we touch, as long as they know you care about them and love them, they'll care about the program and love the program just as much back. That would probably be the biggest thing that, that hasn't changed, you know, over the years with all the outside influences and social media and recruiting services and rankings and all those things, it still comes down to the relationship with the young person in your program and, and them knowing truly, not just knowing, but truly believing that you love them, you care about them, and you've got their best interest at heart. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time with us and uh, look forward to seeing you in, in the off season here and uh, wish you guys the best of luck as you build the program. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.